Good afternoon, everyone. Get ready for a nationwide test of the emergency alert system. Tomorrow, not today. In the headlines on the update this Tuesday, we have some good news about that nine-year-old girl who vanished during the family camping trip upstate. She's been found safe following a two-day search, and a suspect is in custody. We'll have the latest details. The civil trial against the former president that kicked off in New York is just one of the many legal problems, of course, facing the former president as he campaigns for her return to the White House. Now that the baseball season is over, it's more like, where do we go from here? For the first time in nine years, the postseason won't include a New York team. Neither one even came close, really, if you think about it. But... There is hope in Queens. David Stearns was formally appointed as the first president of baseball operations in Mets history, taking over the hometown team that he cheered for as a child. And the bad news? You did not win the Powerball jackpot. The good news is that nobody else did either. It's now climbed the Powerball jackpot to an estimated $1.2 billion after nobody beat the immense odds and won the giant prize. This is the update. Tuesday, October the 3rd, 2023. Celebrating six years of telling New York stories. From the Tommy Lynn stage... At the Urban Dove Charter School in Brooklyn, New York, broadcasting across the nation and around the world, this is the update with Brandon Julian. A three-time winner of the Kingsborough Community College Gold Student Service Award. It's everything that you need to know because anything can happen in New York. Greetings and salutations to you all, folks, every last one of you. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the update on a Tuesday, a Tuesday that features more of the same weather of what we had yesterday. You know, I like to think in some cases we really have been spoiled (laughs) with this nice weather, especially after what we just went through. It felt like we were living on a different continent, (laughs) or at least a different part of the country, depending on you know, depending on where you live. But as is constant with life, including taxes, <laughs> uh, or like a WWE wrestling card, um, you know what they say in the fine print? Uh, the card is subject to change. And that's what we're going back to, changes, because cool weather is going to be coming back in uh, momentarily. And uh, the coolest air of the season, and we're going to have more rain on Saturday. What is this, the third weekend or so in a row with rain? What is going on here? You know, now that we're officially in October, you know, the Halloween festivities are getting into season, you know, the studio here. My wife, uh, my wife is also my producer on this program, spent hours putting up all the Halloween decorations in the uh, studio, so you know, when the Halloween comes, you'll have no problem telling if it's our Halloween show. 
Last year or so, I think we made it to like the third house or something before I uh, bursted into tears from her costume. Now, uh, <laughs> now we're going for four, and we're actually really, really excited. I'm Brandon Julian, of course, folks. We appreciate you so much for being here, wherever you may be, and however, of course, personally, that you may be listening to us. Lots of news, of course, to catch you up on. We're going to begin this Tuesday up north in Moreau. Well, we actually have some good news about that nine-year-old girl who vanished during the family camping trip upstate. She's been found safe following a two-day search. The state police uh, said in a statement that uh, Charlotte Senna was located last night in good health and that a suspect was now in custody. Uh, Governor Hochul said that law enforcement officers arrested 47-year-old Craig Nelson Ross Jr. in a trailer on his mother's property and rescued Senna, who was also in the trailer. Hochul says that Ross was identified as the suspect after he left a ransom note in the mailbox at Senna's home. The governor named Ross as the suspect late last night, and it wasn't immediately known if he had a lawyer uh, who could comment, of course, on his behalf. On to some of the other news of this Tuesday. And the Nobel Prize in Medicine has now been awarded to two scientists who, whose work led to mRNA vaccines against COVID. We all know as countries prepared to roll out these shots late in 2020, the Associated Press, they took a look at how the vaccines were developed so quickly. And a head start um, definitely helped with that. Over a decade of behind-the-scenes uh, research had new vaccine technology poised for a challenge just as COVID erupted. Research from the University of Pennsylvania and the National Institutes of Health laid the groundwork for unusually rapid development and testing, of course, of these shots. The civil trial of the former president uh, kicked off yesterday here in New York. And we all know it's just one of the many legal problems that's facing Trump as he campaigns, of course, for a return to the White House. He's also facing criminal charges here related to a hush money payment to a porn actor made during the heat of the 2016 uh, election. And in Georgia as well, related to his efforts to overturn his loss in the 2020 election there. Special counsel Jack Smith has also charged Trump federally in Washington and Florida, accusing him of trying to subvert the 2020 election and illegally possessing classified documents, and then, of course, refusing to return them. There's a Peruvian man who's been accused of sending 150, 150, I should say, 150 bomb threats to U.S. school districts, synagogues, airports, hospitals, and even to a mall last month. Well, he's been arrested now in Lima, Peru, according to Department of Justice officials. Investigators, they say that Eddie Manuel Nunez Santos approached young girls on a gaming platform, posing as a teenage boy named Lucas, and requested they send him sexually explicit photos. Court documents allege when the girls refused, he threatened to kill them, blow up their schools, and made other threats in an attempt to extort the illicit photos from them. 
then emailed or filled out online forms to send hoax bomb threats to those places and others, according to investigators. Meanwhile, a judge is now planning a trial set for the springtime for Senator Bob Menendez and his wife. Uh, the couple, of course, are accused of accepting bribes of cash, gold bars, and a luxury car from three New Jersey businessmen who sought the senators' help and influence over foreign affairs. The tentative trial date of May 6th would come just a month before the party's primary in New Jersey. An indictment last month for charge Menendez, of course, with taking payouts in exchange for corrupt acts that included passing information to Egyptian military and intelligence officials. Menendez has pleaded not guilty. He says that nearly half a million dollars in cash was found in the, excuse me, he said the half a million that was found in his home in cash was personal savings that was squirreled away for emergencies. In other news, we're going to go back to that federal trial uh, here in New York that the former president, of course, is uh, attending. He spent a day in court for the sometimes will be testy uh, start of this trial that could cost him control of Trump Tower and other organized and prized properties. Outside of court yesterday, he called it, quote, a disgraceful trial. Uh, Attorney General Tish James's lawsuit accuses the former president and his company of deceiving banks, insurers, and others by habitually lying about his wealth and financial statements. The judge has already ruled that Trump committed fraud in these business dealings. If the ruling is upheld on appeal, it could force Trump to give up several New York properties. Trump left for the days sounding buoyed after the judge cement, uh, suggested that a testimony about Trump's 2011 financial statement was beyond the legal time limit. And finally, we're going to go out west to Lake Placid talk about sudden tragedy. A former tight end of the NFL, Russ Francis, was killed, along with another aviation enthusiast, when their single-engine plane crashed shortly after takeoff from upstate uh, from an upstate New York airport. The 70-year-old Francis and 63-year-old Richard McSpadden had taken off from the Lake Placid airport in a single-engine Cessna when it crashed uh, Sunday afternoon in the corner of the airport. Francis was the first-round pick in the NFL draft back in 1975, and played with the Patriots from 1975 to 1980. Francis then joined the 49ers in 82, and was part of the team that won the 1984 Super Bowl. He joined, rejoined New England back in 87, and then retired the year after. He, of course, will be deeply missed. Time for us to uh, step aside momentarily. When we return on the update this Tuesday, we have a few important messages to tell you from the MTA. Gonna talk some sports and talk about where do we really go from here in terms of New York sports. Uh, we all know that the Mets and Yankees really had a disappointing season. Well, like I said yesterday in Queens, there is hope. David Stearns introduces the first president of baseball operations in Mets history. And he has quite the job ahead of him to try to turn things around. 
there's going to be a national test of the emergency alert system. You know, you've all heard of it if you've ever watched television at those random times where they test it. We'll tell you what to expect in this coming test. And then later, we'll talk together, of course, the latest national news. In Washington, the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, is facing an extraordinary referendum on his leadership after Matt Gates, a longtime critic, moved to launch a vote to oust him from the hell. Gonna talk about this, folks, and a lot more, too, of course, of what really is another beautiful day in New York when the updated Brandon Julian returns in just a moment. Brandon Julian. Honestly, people, I would do anything for my wife, Tommy, but I know I'm not the best romantic person out there. There are more people that are more romantic than I am. Did you know, folks, that a long, long time ago, Prince Edward abdicated his right to the English throne to the woman he loved? Isn't that unbelievable? He had to choose between the woman he loved or being king of England. And that idiot chose the girl. Now, I'm sure, folks, that it was the right moment at that exact moment in time, and I'm happily in a relationship with my wife. But even in the best of moments, each person in a relationship has had a time where they thought, I've made an enormous mistake. But you know what, folks? I bet you never thought I could have been King of England. This is The Update with Brandon Julian. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, I'm Ryan Blaney, a third-generation race car driver, and we dedicate a lot of our time to going as fast as possible. My Grandpa Lou is the reason why my dad and I started racing, and I'm really proud to follow on his tracks. But when my Grandpa was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, it was a very unexpected bump in the road for us. I've learned a lot on this journey with my Grandpa Lou, and the memories of my Grandpa will always be with me. It's important to notice if older family members are acting differently, experiencing problems with their memory, or having trouble with routine tasks. Talking about Alzheimer's can be really tough, but if you notice something, have a conversation with your loved one. Encourage them to see a doctor or offer to go with them. Early detection of Alzheimer's can give your family time to explore support services, make a plan for the future, and access available treatments. The Alzheimer's Association provides care, support, and research to help you take control of the situation with your family and manage the disease together. If you or your family are noticing changes, it could be Alzheimer's. Talk about seeing a doctor together. Visit alz.org slash time to talk, a message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Brandon Julian. You know, that's a big holiday tradition, you know, it's the fruit cake. I love all the holiday traditions, as Jim Gavigan once said, you know, like the Christmas tree. My birthday's right next to Christmas. Christmas tree, you know, we go chop a tree, we go put it in our living room. Sometimes I think that's the creation of a drunk man, really. Some woman wakes up, honey, why is there a pine tree? In our living room. I like it. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna decorate it for Jesus. And then I'm gonna hang my socks over the fireplace. Fill them with candy. 
Maybe I can tie some leads to a signal, see if I can get some action. And now I'm going to peep down this catch. Merry Christmas. This is the update with Brandon Julian. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Keeping an eye on the roads, the rails, and the skies, it's time for Traffic and Weather Together. Beginning August 28th through the first half of 2024, F trains will run on the E-line at all times in both directions between Rockefeller Center and Jackson Heights Roosevelt Avenue because of track replacement along the 63rd Street line. On weekdays, M trains will not run between Rockefeller Center and Forest Hills 71st Avenue. M trains will run between 57th Street on the F line and Metropolitan Avenue. A special F shuttle train will run every 20 minutes between Lexington Avenue, 63rd Street, and 21st Street, Queensbridge, stopping at Roosevelt Island. The shuttle train will not run overnight. Free shuttle buses will run between 21st Street, Queensbridge, and Queens Plaza on days and evenings, and between Roosevelt Island, 21st Street, Queensbridge, and Queens Plaza overnight. Beginning June 26th at approximately 6.15 a.m. through the remainder of 2023, seven express trains will run only between 74th Street, Broadway, and Flushing Main Street in both directions because of station enhancement work and escalator replacement. During rush hours, seven express trains will make all local stops between 74th Street, Broadway, and 34th Street, Hudson Yards. Beginning Monday, February 27th, the passageway connecting the 1, 2, 3, F, L, and M trains at 14th Street, 6th Avenue is closed because of accessibility improvements. If you normally transfer between the 1, 2, 3, F, L, and M trains at 14th Street, 6th Avenue, you still will be able to for free via an out-of-system walking transfer between 6th and 7th Avenue. The New York City Police Department would like to remind you to keep your belongings in sight and to stay aware of your surroundings. If you see something suspicious in the station or on the train, tell a police officer or an MTA employee. MTA crews are here to help us get around. Let's treat them with respect. Assaulting a New York City Transit employee is a felony, punishable by up to seven years in prison. The fare on local, limited, and select bus service is $2.90, with the exception of the BX-18A, BX-18B, B60, M116, Q4, Q4 Limited, S46, and S96 Limited, 
starting September 24th. Transfers must be requested upon payment of the cash fare. For the S79 select bus service, pay your fare on board the bus. For all other select bus service routes, pay at the kiosk outside and hold your ticket for the duration of your trip for possible inspection. The fare on express buses is $7. Coins are not accepted as a payment on express buses. Now, with the latest scores and highlights, it's time for the sports update. Well, with today being October 3rd, I can honestly say now with some certainty that the baseball season in New York is officially over. And uh, if we're all going to be perfectly honest here, uh, neither of our teams came, honestly, even really close. For the first time in nine years, the postseason isn't going to include a New York team. Uh, Back in March, of course, such a monumental flop by the Yankees and the Mets would have been difficult to envision. With big-name stars, of course, like Aaron Judge, Pete Alonso, and both sides of town, and also the two largest payrolls in the majors. The highly anticipated 2023 season shaped up as one of the most exciting that this city had ever seen. But, of course, by August, all anyone here could talk about was football, as both tattered teams played out sitting in front of many empty seats. Now the Yankees and Mets have some critical decisions to make heading into an uncertain off-season. But for the New York uh, Metropolitans, at the very minimum, they do have some hope. Uh, David Stearns was formally appointed as the first president of baseball operations in Mets history, taking over the hometown team that he cheered for as a child. The former Brewers boss was introduced by owner Steve Cohen at a City Field News conference on the heels of a hugely disappointing season. Despite championship aspirations and a record $355 million payroll on opening day, the Mets dropped out of playoff contention by midsummer and finished in fourth place in the NL East. Um, Stern says he has, quote, plenty of work to do. The 38-year-old executive was placed above GM Billy Epler and under the owner Steve Cohen in a working structure that's fairly common around baseball, but it's still new to the New York Mets. And over in the Meadowlands from the Diamond, we go to the Gridiron. Uh, Giants and Seahawks playing on Monday Night Football. I found this stat really interesting, or at least I found it on Instagram. (laughs) Uh, The SNY Instagram. The Giants have had three primetime games, and they've had a lead for all of, I think, about 19 seconds. Anyway... (laughs) Anyway, rookie cornerback Devin Witherspoon scored on a 97-yard interception late in the third quarter, and the Seahawks tied a team record with 11 sacks and a 24-3 win over the struggling and offensively inept New York Giants. Geno Smith drew a six-yard TD pass to DK Metcalf late in the first quarter after a strip sack by defensive end Mario Edwards Jr. set up a short drive. Kenneth Walker III added a one-yard TD run as the Seahawks won their third in a row. Uh, Bobby Wagner, Jordan Brooks, Witherspoon, and Uchenna Nusu each had two sacks. Wagner also had 17 tackles. Uh, the Giants are now 1-3. and three. 
Now, folks, when we return on the update this uh, Tuesday, there's going to be a national test of the emergency alert system tomorrow at about 2.20 in the afternoon. We'll tell you what you need to know to be uh, prepared for it. And later, we'll talk together, of course, the latest national news. In Florida, a sheriff there says that body camera video shows his officers were justified when they beat a drug suspect who appeared to resist arrest even after being zapped with a stun gun. Uh, Going to talk about this, folks, and a lot more, too, of course. But first, ladies and gentlemen, we do have to inform you about the following. Where does the time go? I personally really hope I didn't write that line. <laughs> well, it turns out maybe I actually did. Time continues to move forward, but looking back on the past is always important. It's how we grow as people. Plus, of course, you always have those times when you're like, Oh yeah, I remember that from way back when. Well, that's what we have for you on the update every weekend. And on the select periods, too. Uh, my producers look for any excuse to hold a party, and that's what we have for you, digging into our archives every weekend, playing you the best episodes from our previous years of the update. And every once in a while, we cram the best of an entire year of the update into one episode for your listening convenience. And if you don't know we're having a party, you will after you hear this soundbite declaring that we're having a big party. <laughs> so every weekend, listen to the archives of the update to see what you remember from when that episode aired. And of course, be on the lookout for the best of particular years of the update every so often. Keep listening on the weekends and every now and again, because it'll be a party that you personally will never forget. Unless, of course, you can't actually remember it from, you know, the night before. <laughs> now, the update of Brain and Joy, it'll be right back after, of course, these messages. And uh, my producers actually left some uh, gifts for me under the sofa behind the set. How nice of them, actually. Excuse me. Brandon Julian. You know, Valentine's Day coming up. We surprise the ones we love with those big red hearts, you know, filled with the gamble chocolate. Think about it. Has anybody ever eaten any chocolate of those with any confidence? You're like, oh, this is either going to be really good or horribly nasty. Guess I'm just big enough to find out. Oh, I got the one filled with toothpaste. Gonna take another nine of those to get rid of that flavor. You know, there's a big red heart filled with the gamble chocolate, otherwise there's the tiny heart-shaped antacids. I know I make you nauseous. Here's a Tums with Hug Me written on it. You know, maybe that'll help. This is the update with Brandon Julian. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. 
But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. From New York, home of your NCAA men's champion, UConn Huskies. This is the Update with Brandon Juliet, available wherever you're listening to podcasts. Indeed, it is, folks. Uh, welcome back to the update of Brandon Julian on a uh, Tuesday, everyone. <laughs> Only the second weekend, a brand new month for us around here. Uh, thank you so much, of course, folks, for still uh, being here with us. Uh, you know, folks, as we continue to move along into uh, fall, this uh, this next story that we're going to talk about it reminds me a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of my youth. Uh, if you ever watching TV. You might know uh, whenever you were watching it, uh, the test of the emergency alert system. Uh, Of course, we all know that's the system that, you know, just in case, you know, heaven forbid, something bad were to happen, like like 9-11, for instance. Although I shouldn't probably be saying that because I don't even know if the emergency alert system was used on uh, 9-11. <laughs> if I'm wrong, I am sorry, and I definitely need a correction. But anyway, yes, the emergency alert system. Can I even imitate it? The, imitate the emergency alert system? I think I can. Um, if you watch TV, you know... Uh, some stations will go, you know, this is a test of the emergency alert system. And then, you know, you hear the, the screeching noises. What even kind of noise even is that? Because <laughs> I personally don't even know myself. And, you know, they always have to emphasize it by saying, you know, this is only a test of the emergency alert system. If there was, heaven forbid, an actual emergency you know, messages from government services would follow the tone. So-and-so station is a member of the tri-state area of New York City or wherever they may be. This concludes this test of the emergency alert system. Uh, So tomorrow, at around 2.20 in the afternoon, let's say, if you hear a a screeching alert go off on your phone and everybody else's as well, do not panic. That's because the federal government, they're going to be conducting tomorrow afternoon a nationwide test of its emergency alert system and wireless emergency alerts. The EAS portion of the test will send an emergency alert to all radios and TV, while the WEA portion of the test will direct alerts to all consumer cell phones. 
Uh, the FCC, they said in a statement, quote, The purpose of the October 4th test is to ensure that the systems continue to be effective, uh, be effective means of warning the public about emergencies, particularly those on the national level. Um, this is actually the FCC with FEMA, which is conducting this test in coordination with them. So here is what you really need to know. Beginning at approximately 2.20 p.m. Eastern Time tomorrow, all wireless phones should receive an alert and an accompanying message that reads, quote, This is a test of the, emer- of the National Wireless Emergency Alert System. No action is needed. The free text message will be sent in either English or Spanish, depending on the language settings of your device. The text will be accompanied by unique tone and vibration that is meant to make the alert accessible to the public, according to FEMA. The test will be broadcast by cell towers for approximately 30 minutes, beginning at 2.20 p.m. Eastern. Uh, During this time, all compatible wireless phones that are switched on within range of an active cell tower and whose wireless providers participates in WEA tests should receive the text message. Meanwhile, all radios and TVs will also broadcast a test emergency alert at the same time as part of the broader test. Uh, it'll approximately run for one minute. Uh, it'll state, quote, This is a nationwide test of the emergency alert system issued by the Federal Emergency Management Agency covering the United States from 1420 to 1450 hours ET. That's 2.20 p.m. to 2.50 p.m. Eastern Time, if you don't speak Army time. (laughs) This is only a test. No action is required by the public. As the agency has said, no action is required by you after you receive the emergency alert test on your phone or hear through the radio or TV. You might be wondering, has this happened before? And uh, strangely enough, the test tomorrow is said to be only the seventh ever nationwide test of the emergency alert system, the alerts that are sent through radio and TV broadcasters. It's the third nationwide test of the wireless emergency alerts, but only the second to be sent to consumer cellular devices. Uh, the most recent run, uh, test run of both systems took place back in 2021. Um, the first ever test of the emergency alert system occurred more than a decade ago, back in 2011. You might be wondering too, hasn't the government messed this up before? And uh, there have indeed, you would have been right, there have indeed been multiple high-profile mistakes attributed to errors at the state level associated with mobile emergency alert systems that hit cell phones. Perhaps, of course, the most infamous incident that you might be aware of was a 2018 misfire in Hawaii that set off a wave of short-lived panic across the state. On the morning of January 13th back in 2018, a Hawaii state emergency management worker accidentally pushed the wrong button in the emergency operations center, sending out a false warning alerting of an incoming ballistic missile threat. The employee who pushed the wrong button was ultimately fired, according to state officials. And if you want something more recent, earlier this year in Florida, state emergency management officials issued an apology after Floridians were awoken at 4.45 in the morning by a test emergency alert sent to their phones. 
State officials said that the test alert was meant to only run on TV and not meant to disturb anybody who might have been sleeping. Florida also said it was ending its contract with the software company blamed for shooting off the pre-dawn test alert to the cell phones. Last year, a FEMA official, they told CNN that vulnerabilities in software that TV and radio networks around the country use to transmit emergency alerts could uh, potentially allow a hacker to broadcast fake messages over the alert system. The agency at the time uh, urged operators of these devices to update their software to address the issue. The advisory did not say, however, that alerts sent over text messages could be impacted. The official also said at the time that there was no evidence that malicious hackers have actually exploited these vulnerabilities. So you know, <clears throat> excuse me. So you know, when you get that alert at two twenty tomorrow afternoon, do not panic. It is simply just a test of the emergency alert system. And remember, like I said, heaven forbid, if there actually was an actual emergency, messages, of course, would accompany that tone. One thing that is not a test, though, is the Powerball jackpot. It's uh, the good news. Well, let me try that. The bad news is that you didn't win the Powerball jackpot. The good news is that nobody else did either. It's now up to $1.2 billion after nobody won. We'll talk about that and more because national news. It's next for us around here, of course, when the update with Brady Julian continues. Brandon Julian. You know, folks, if you really do think about it in this day and age, it's a good thing that we can't report people that we don't like to 911 or the police. Could you imagine how that call would go? Yeah, it'd be like 911, what's your emergency? Yeah, that lady Carol is at the barbecue again. <laughs> This is the update with Brandon Julian, available wherever you listen to podcasts. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Tom and Levi. Tom is the smartest man I know. He's been a professor at two major universities, he's been a teacher for over 40 years. One day, he told me that he was having um, problems in his classes. I think one of the students had asked the question and he didn't remember the answer. And I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. And he was telling them that he was doing it as a favor to them. But I think in reality, he just wanted to get out of there. Um, I was really starting to worry because I saw something was wrong. Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives. But he was there beside me. And my love for him was just immense. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Brandy Julia. You know, folks, if I were to do something, if I would accidentally combine something, uh, most people would consider it a mistake, but other people actually do these things on purpose. You know what that's called? Criminal intent. This is the update with Brandon Julian. 
Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to the update with Brandon Julian on a Tuesday, everyone. Uh, thank you so much, of course, folks, for still being here with us. You know, let us talk together right now, actually, uh, the latest national news. And we're going to begin, of course, down in Washington, where that extraordinary battle is continuing between the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, and uh, Matt Gates, a representative from Florida. McCarthy is facing an extraordinary referendum on his leadership there, after Gates, a longtime critic, moved to launch a vote to oust him from the helm. Uh, Gates rose in the chamber yesterday, as the House is almost done for the day, to file the motion. McCarthy responded minutes later on social media, quote, bring it on. The resolution would set a snap vote in the coming days that even Gates acknowledges may not even have enough support to remove the speaker from the job. Only a handful of hard-right Republicans have signaled that they are willing to vote to remove McCarthy himself. On to some of the other news of this Tuesday. And a sheriff down in Florida says that the body camera video, it shows that his officers were justified when they beat a drug suspect who appeared to resist arrest, even after being zapped with a stun gun. Jacksonville Sheriff T.K. Waters said yesterday that 24-year-old Lacarian Woods was known by officers to have a violent history when they chased him down on Friday. He had run after allegedly committing an illegal drug sale. A passerby's cell phone video went viral, showing the beating and possibly Woods' face being driven into the ground. Uh, Woods' attorney accused Waters of a cover-up and said that he will ask the Justice Department to open an investigation. Out in the American West we go now to Los Angeles, where the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, needed, when he needed to fill the Senate seat of his late mentor, Dianne Feinstein, he could have turned, of course, to a big city mayor, a member of Congress, or powerful legislator. Instead, he chose La Panza Butler, a former union leader and Democratic insider. Uh, when she had, excuse me, she heads a national organization that raises money for women candidates who support abortion rights. She offered a loyal, familiar face who shares Newsom's vision for a progressive California. In choosing Butler, he also seated someone who could become an important ally for a potential national campaign that many see in his future. And, well, this was good news for me. <laughs> the late-night talk shows returned after a five-month absence brought on by the Hollywood writer's strike. Shows like The Late Show with Stephen Colbert and Jimmy Kimmel Live returned uh, to the air uh, yesterday. The actors, they resumed their talks that could end their own strike. Colbert shouted, quote, It feels good to be back as he retook the stage for his taping. He had astrophysicist and author Neil deGrasse Tyson on his first show back. Kimmel had Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, Kimmel will be greeting uh, Matthew McConaughey to The Tonight Show. 
The writers last week, of course, struck a deal with an elite with an alliance of Hollywood's biggest studios, streaming services, and production companies. There is more national news for us to discuss, and we will address those, of course, when the update of Brandy Julian returns in just 60 seconds. Don't you wish your life came with a warning app? Stop. That dog does not want to be petted. <laughs> just a little heads up before something bad happens. Move your coffee cup away from your computer. Oh, no, 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 no. So you can have more control. Stop. You're texting your boss by mistake. Uh-oh. Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but pre-diabetes does. With early diagnosis and a few healthy changes like managing your weight, getting active, stopping smoking, and eating healthier, you can stop pre-diabetes before it leads to type 2 diabetes. It's easy to learn your risk. Take the one-minute test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Warning, the cap is loose on that catch-up. Ugh. Don't wait. You have the power to change the outcome. Visit doihaveprediabetes.org today. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. Welcome back to the update with Brandon Julian on a Tuesday, everyone. Thank you so much, of course, folks, for still being here with us. You know, we're talking together right now, of course, uh, together, the latest national news. And we're going to go down to San Juan out of Puerto Rico. With the UN Security Council there, they voted to send a multinational force led by Kenya to Haiti to help combat the violent gangs in the troubled country. The resolution drafted by the U.S. was approved yesterday with 13 votes in favor, in favor and two absentations from Russia and China. The resolution authorizes the force to deploy for one year with the review after nine months. It's the first time a force will be deployed to Haiti since a UN-approved mission nearly 20 years ago. A deployment date has not been set, though Secretary of State Anthony Blinken has said a security mission to Haiti could deploy, quote, in months. In other news, we're going to head back here to New York, where health officials, they plan to endorse a common antibiotic as a post-sex morning-after pill that gay and bisexual men can use to avoid some increasingly common sexually transmitted diseases. The long-awaited guideline uh, says that doxycycline can prevent certain illnesses if taken within 72 hours of unprotected sex. One official says it's an innovative step to help battle record levels of STD infections. The CDC uh, proposal was released yesterday. The agency plans to finalize it after a 45-day public comment period. Let's head now up north to uh, North Dakota. <clears throat> Excuse me, out of Bismarck, North Dakota, actually. Where a North Dakota Senate leader th says that a state senator, his wife, and their two young children died when the small plane they were traveling in crashed in Utah. 
Doug Larson's death, along with the death of his wife Amy and their two young children, was uh, confirmed yesterday in an email that Republican Senate Majority Leader David Hogg sent to his fellow senators. The plane, which the senator was piloting, crashed on Sunday night, shortly after taking off from Cannon Lands Airfield, about 15 miles north of Moab. They were returning home from a family gathering. And finally, we're going to go down to Fort Lauderdale in Florida. Well, like I said, the bad news is that you did not win the Powerball jackpot. The good news is that nobody else did either. Uh, it climbed to an estimated $1.2 billion after nobody beat the immense odds and won the giant prize. The winning numbers that were drawn last night were 12, 26, 27, 43, 47, and the Powerball is 5. The prize on the line for the next drawing uh, tomorrow night has grown so massive since because there's been 33 consecutive drawings since someone won the jackpot. The odds, of course, of winning the jackpot are 1 in 292.2 million. <laughs> the $1.2 billion jackpot, of course, is for a sole winner who takes an annuity paid annually over 30 years. Winners taking the cash option will receive an estimated $551 million after, you know, taxes, of course. <laughs> I'm going to let you guys ponder on this as we say in the words of Walter Cronkite. That's the way it is. Tuesday, October the 3rd, 2023. That is the update on this Tuesday. I'm Brandon Julian. We appreciate you being here with us. The WKRB News Hour, not this weekend, uh, next weekend. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be interesting for you to listen to how this show became the update, you know, before it became the actual thing. Uh, so, until so, uh, the moon rises once again, in the words, of course, of Roger Grimsby and Bill Butzel, hopefully that your news, folks, will be good news. I thank you very much for joining me. Good luck, be safe, and most importantly, please be well. And, uh, honey, I saw the note that you left for me in my uh, jacket pocket. It says, bewitch me, Brandon, bewitch me. Uh, well, if the, the subway clears up, I'll be I'll bewitch you in an hour. <laughs> uh, we're going to keep the one more day of this warmth before things go downhill. Let's talk about that and a lot more, too, of course, folks, when I see all of you right back here tomorrow. See you then. <laughs>